0: the first book in your Bible, Genesis, and we're all the way over in chapter number 43 this morning, Genesis chapter 43, and if you are with us this morning, hopefully you received a copy of the outline, and uh, you can follow along there. There's some supporting uh, verses and some things that we'll be talking about in the message this morning, and I've entitled the message this morning, When You Care Enough to Send the Best. When You Care Enough to send the best. And let's begin reading in Genesis 43. We'll begin in verse number 11 down to verse number 14. The Bible says, And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, And take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hands. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for how good you are, Lord, that you have chosen to save us, Lord, who are sinners. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today as we study your word to realize if we are saved this morning... God, you desire and demand and deserve some things from us as your children, because after all, Lord, you gave your best. You gave your only son that we could have a home in heaven someday. I pray that you bless your word this morning, that it would fall on hearing ears, listening ears, and on tender hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. As we begin thinking about this topic this morning from these verses, I want to give you a little background. A lot of times I will do this with certain messages, and I don't have time to go in full detail, but I want to give you a little bit of background leading up to Genesis chapter 43, where we read as our text this morning. I think one of the neatest studies in the Bible is character studies, and of course, this morning, we look at one of those individuals by the name of Joseph. The life of Joseph is a, a tremendous study. But if you remember back, Joseph's brothers, and he had many, they had made a trip into Egypt to buy food. There was a famine in the land where they lived, and things were scarce. And while they came into Egypt to buy food, they, they came face to face with their brother Joseph. Now, as they came face to face with him, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And the Bible begins to talk about this, and Joseph, in his dealings with his brothers, and you remember the dreams of Joseph when he was younger than this, and his brothers didn't care for that dream that he had at all, but Joseph decided that he was going to try to, and he knew his brothers, he was going to try to awaken their dead consciences. Many times, people's conscience has been seared, has been dulled because of sin. Joseph decided he was going to try to awaken their consciences, and he was going to try to get them to do one thing. He was going to try to get them to acknowledge their sin. He was going to try to get them to confess. And so what does he do? In his process Of dealing with his brothers he accuses them of being spies and he takes one of the brothers Simeon and he imprisons him they are told that by Joseph that they are to return to their land return to their father and as they go home that when they get there they're supposed to bring their youngest brother Benjamin back to Joseph now they didn't know that it was Joseph that they were bringing him back But the reason he asked this was because he wanted them to prove to him that they were telling the truth about having a family back in Canaan. And so this this happens. Now, Joseph already knew the truth. Joseph was trying again to get them to face the truth. I don't know if that's ever happened in your life, but there have been times in my life where God will do things or use people to try to get me to acknowledge something that's happened in my own life. Joseph was doing that to his brothers. Now, Judah, one of the brothers that went home, had convinced his father, Jacob. In this passage, you remember, God changed his name to Israel. But Jacob was the father of all these boys. And so Judah had convinced Jacob to allow him to take Benjamin, the youngest brother, with them to Egypt to buy more food. And Joseph, of course, had told them, that unless they return with their brother, that they could not come back to him. And so it was, it was of the utmost importance that Benjamin, the youngest brother, would go back with them, so that they could get food, so that they would not starve to death. Now, Jacob does finally allow Benjamin, his youngest son, he allows him to accompany his brothers to go back into Egypt. Jacob then commands his sons that if you're going to go to the king, you're going to go into Egypt's land, then I want you to carry with you some gifts. I don't want you to go empty-handed. I want you to take gifts that would be worthy of a king. Now remember, they're living in a time where there's a famine going on. There's not a lot of things around, and and, and things were getting scarce. And so uh, Jacob was hoping somehow through sending these gifts that he would soften the heart, which he, at the time he didn't know, but it would soften the heart of Joseph and Joseph's dealings with his, his, his sons, his other sons, that maybe the the ruler, the one that was in charge, would have be more pleasant towards his sons than he was last time. He didn't really understand the whole story at this time. He just knew that there was someone that was demanding of his sons that wanted his youngest son, and so he wanted to somehow appease this person. Now, just what do you give a man that has everything? You know, I find this interesting, like my father, the older he gets, not that my dad has everything, but you kind of run out of ideas on what to get somebody. But think about this, what do you get some, some, something for someone that has everything? What is it that they could give to Joseph? Because as the prime minister of Egypt at that time, uh, Joseph actually owned everything. He did not need their gold or silver, uh, the offer of power. It meant nothing to Joseph because Joseph was sovereign over all the land of Egypt. Uh, when I think about Joseph, Jacob, there was no way that he could even offer Joseph knowledge because Joseph had access to all the knowledge and all the advanced learning of Egypt's land at that time. He couldn't offer him service because Joseph had as many servants as he needed, everything that he demanded, every need that he had was taken care of. When I think about this, what could they possibly give to a powerful person like Joseph? And I sat there thinking about that because I thought of my own life, not about what could I give Joseph. I know that a lot of times growing up, it was about worshiping Mary and even at times, Joseph, the patron saint, but listen, I thought about the great king that I now serve, whose name is Jesus. What can I give the Lord? I mean, what do I have that I can offer to the Lord? I wonder what poor, miserable creatures like you and I could ever possibly give, give to God, because you know why? God doesn't need our wealth. God already owns everything. Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. There is nothing as far as gold, silver, our, our riches that we have. God doesn't need our wealth. God doesn't need our knowledge. And he doesn't need our wisdom because God knows all things. Job said, I know that thou canest do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. The book of Hebrews said, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, for all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows everything. He doesn't need our wisdom. God doesn't need our knowledge. Can I tell you this? God doesn't need our power. He upholds the universe and all things that are in it. God is all-powerful. He possesses all power. Jesus, as he gave that commission to the the church before he ascended back to be with the Father, Jesus said these words. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He is all-powerful. He doesn't need our power. God doesn't need our service. God commands, if he commands the angels who exist, listen, they exist for one reason, to do the will of God. Look what it says in Matthew 26, 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 10, 12 legions of angels? But aren't you glad, listen, that God may not need our wealth, and God may not need our wisdom, and God may not need our power, and God may not need our service, but isn't it awesome that God allows us to serve him? God gives us the privilege, the honor, and the opportunity to serve him. So what is it this morning that we could possibly give to the Lord? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But our text talks about giving gifts that are only gifts that are worthy of our King. And I think in our lives, as you notice from the title of the message this morning, I think God would have all of us to be what I would call Hallmark Christians, when you care enough to give the very best. Certainly, don't you think God deserves our best? He does. God has done so much for us. He has blessed us in so many ways. And we should give him our very best. Notice, first of all, from the passage this morning in the life of Joseph, that we see Jacob's attitude. And his thought is this, number one, that the king desires simple gifts, simple gifts. Look back in verse number 11 of our passage. The Bible says, and their father Israel said unto them, if it must be so now, do this, take of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh nuts, and almonds. Now, Jacob tells his sons, I want you to gather the best fruits. He says, I want you to get the best fruits of the land. I want you to send this man a present. That's the word that he uses here. The word present means a gift expressing loyalty to a superior. In other words, this is something that speaks well of the one that sends the gift. Jacob is literally saying that we're going to send the man the best we have, the best that we have. And so when he looks around and he sees what they have, if you look at the list that we just read, it doesn't sound impressive to us. It doesn't seem like a lot to us. But can I tell you that when there's a famine in the land, even a little is a lot. And so they send, as it says here, some balm, some honey, some spices, some myrrh, some nuts, and some almonds. Now again, that was a lot to Jacob and to his family. But when you think about this, listen, these things in this time were honestly just commonplace things to Jacob and those that lived in Canaan. They were common to his sons. But remember, they represented the best that they possessed. Now can you imagine when they brought those gifts? Joseph has been living in Egypt. You know if you've ever traveled that different parts of this world and even different parts of our city right here, it's a different type of cuisine, different types of uh, fruits and nuts and different types of, of things that people might eat or even the spices and some of the the seasonings that they would use on their foods. But listen, as they bring those yet simple gifts, can you imagine what they tasted like to Joseph, who had been living in Egypt, eating the food of Egypt? Can you imagine the thoughts in his mind as he started to taste of the honey of his own land? Some of the nuts that maybe he ate when he was younger, some of the the, the myrrhs and the spices and things that he hadn't smelled for years, the honey, the sweetness of it from the land of Canaan. Joseph began to taste that and how, how well it tasted and he hadn't tasted those things for many, many years, how the little things from his home uh, that, that Jacob had sent with his sons, how they must have gladdened his heart. They must have brought back fond memories from days gone by in the life of, jo- uh, of Joseph, the gift that Jacob sent. It was a simple gift. It wasn't extravagant, but it was a gift fit for a king because it was the best that they could send. They cared enough to send their very best. They reached into their dwindling supplies. And as they went through what they had, they sent the best that they possessed to Joseph. Let's consider our king. Let's consider the Lord this morning. And again, you agreed with me that God deserves our best. When I think about this, I sat and did a little inventory of my life after all that God has done for me. I began to list down things in my mind. How good God's been to me. How good God has been to my family. How God is continuing to increase our family. How God has given us health. God, all of my children are saved. Uh, Their spouses are saved. Uh, All of my children are serving the Lord. I could go on and on, and you probably could too, about the goodness of God in our lives But listen, after all that he has done for us, anything less than our best for him, to be honest with you, is an insult in the face of God. God deserves our best. A lot of people are just content in their lives to keep the best for themselves and give God the leftovers. God deserves the best of our time. We should devote the best of our time to him to the will of God for our lives. God deserves the best of our service, that we should spend our days serving the Lord, doing the perfect will of God for our lives. God deserves the best of our resources. God, Listen, can I tell you this morning, God not only deserves our resources, but he demands our resources. When you study the word of God, listen, he says, bring of the best fruits, the first fruits of your income. When you look at the Bible, Leviticus 27, 30, the Bible says, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Look, folks, can I tell you this morning, God is not looking for an elaborate, expensive gift. God expects you, just like he did of Jacob, God expects you to give him a very simple gift. And what is that very simple gift? It is the very best that you have. We need to give him a gift that is worthy of a king. Listen, if Jacob took that much caution to give the best gifts to a king of a land, then we should take of the utmost caution to give our best gifts to the king of kings and lord of lords. We need to make sure that we're giving him our best. Are you trying to give the king your absolute best this morning or are you giving God your second best or your third best or even worse than that? You see, I see this morning Jacob understood one thing and that was we don't have much but the king, he desires simple gifts. Notice secondly, he also deserves sacrificial gifts. Now remember, there was a famine. When Jacob sends his sons back to Egypt. As he sent them back, he tells them, I want you to take not just money, I want you to take double money. Now, when I first read that years ago, I thought, well, <clears throat> Joseph put their money back in the mouths of their sacks as they left Egypt and went back to Canaan. And so I thought when I first read that, that God was saying that they were, they, he, uh, jo, Jacob was supposed to send them back with the money that Joseph put back in their sacks and more money than that. But when I began to read the Word of God, that's not at all what it's saying. It's saying that they're supposed to take back the money that Joseph put back in their sacks and double money. When you read the Word of God, it's interesting what you find when you pay attention. See, the first time that they had gone there, they went to buy grain. Joseph, again, put that money back in their sacks, and he tells them Jacob now tells his sons, I want you to take that money and twice as much because I want to give a gift that is sacrificial. See, it's easy to give when you have a lot of money. But you know what God desires is God has always desired sacrifices from us. Again, he is worthy of it. And so we see here that the king desires and deserves sacrificial giving. When we stop to think about all that he has sacrificed for us, remember John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave. He gave the greatest gift that has ever been given. And so what does the Lord want us to do? Well, God gave his all when he gave his son, and what God deserves from us is God deserves our all. God was willing to let his son leave the splendors of heaven, come to this earth. Jesus willingly came. He laid aside his, his deity. He uh, robed himself in flesh. He suffered. He bled. He died. He became poor among men. He, he was battered. He was uh, beaten. He, he died for the sins of the world. And listen, for those reasons and many, many more, he deserves no less than our best, especially because he has redeemed us from our sins. And when we start talking about this matter of giving to God and giving God our best, it's amazing sometimes how very nervous people get. You know, giving is something that is a privilege. When I think about giving to the Lord, folks, listen, I don't give because I have to. I give because I get to. It's a a state of mind and a state of heart, realizing God has been so very good to me why in the world should I not be good back to the God who has blessed me in so many ways? Some people, uh, over the years, I've had these conversations. People always want to sit down and they want to say, well, listen, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about something because, and, and honestly, they're trying to appease their conscience. They'll say to me something like this. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. It was practiced in the Old Testament. But when you study the Word of God, you find that that 10%, that tithe was something that was actually given, that Abraham gave his tithe to Melchizedek long before the law was even given. Look at Genesis 14, 20. Blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him tithes of all. Now, again, they say that giving 10%, was prescribed under the law, and since we're under grace, people say we're no longer obligated. Folks, listen tithing was before the law, it was during the law, and according to the Word of God, it's after the law. Understand that it is our responsibility. The Bible tells us on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but I'm going to tell you something. I would dare say there is no one this morning in this auditorium that God has not prospered. God has not blessed in your life. We all have struggles from time to time. I know that sometimes hardships come, but understand that God has been good to us and we who are living in New Testament times, we need to have a heart that is willing to surrender all that we have to his will. God's not asking, listen, he's not asking you to give him every penny that you have, He's asking for the tithe. Tithe means 10 percent. See, our giving is in proportion to our income. The tithe, that 10 percent is just the beginning. Because a believer should earnestly seek the Lord and find out what God wants him to give, and that is what they should do. Look what J. Oswald Sanders said. The basic question is, how, not how much of our money we should give to, to God. God's already figured that out. Here's the question. How much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? That's the struggle. Now, again, a lot of people struggle. They battle with this, but can I tell you that God has promised, and you study this out, God has promised to bless your lives for obedience. But remember, if we don't obey God, that instead of being blessed, there is a curse that comes on us because we are not obeying the Word of God. Look at Malachi chapter 3 in your notes. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? God says, in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. He says, look at this, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven... Can you see this morning, a lot of times people get this negative connotation, that's all God wants is my money. Can I tell you this morning, what God wants is your obedience. God wants you to obey him, and listen, if you obey him and you give him what's rightfully his, and by the way, he's the one that's given it to you anyway, the Bible says he'll open up the windows of heaven. How many of you know that there's some great things in heaven that await us if we obey God? But see, the windows of heaven don't open for us when we don't obey God. People say, well, how have I robbed God? Wherein have I robbed God? God says, in tithes and offerings. And the Bible says, God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Folks, a lot of times Christians say to me, I just don't know why I struggle. I don't know why I can't pay my payments. I don't know why my car's a clunker. I don't know why I can't... Uh, pay for this and I can't do that listen I'm gonna tell you I don't give to get but I know this it does work that as I honor God as I obey God God opens up the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing folks I can't contain all the ways it's not always money Again, I mentioned that that God has saved my children, that God has given us our health, that God has given us joy, that God has given us eternal life. All of these things come as a result of God opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing. And all of that comes as we obey God. But many times what God's people do is they withhold from God. Listen, can you imagine what Joseph would have thought if they would have sent Joseph from Jacob's house the, the worst things that they had, their leftovers, not the best things that they had, but no, they sent the best of what they had. Joseph knew that there was a famine in the land, and Joseph knew that Jacob didn't have much, and when he saw and he tasted those things, he said, hey, look, these are simple gifts, but they're the best that they had, and they sent them to me. That speaks volumes to me, and I'm going to tell you something. Not only do I see those simple gifts being received, but the king desires us to make some sacrifices. As I think about Jacob's mindset here, he wanted to honor the king. And I'm going to tell you this morning, in my life, I want to honor God with my life. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Again, I'm not going to say that God's going to give you a brand new car and God's going to let you eat caviar and God's going to let you do this and God's going to let you do that. I'm going to tell you something. You can't outweigh the blessings that God has for your life. God wants to give you an increase. God wants to fill your barns. He says, thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Listen, if God has done anything for you today, and I, I know for a fact if you are a child of God, he has. That if God has done anything for you, he desires and he deserves our sacrificial giving to the work of God. Folks, listen. The scriptures teach that the work of the church, God's work, should be financed by the free will gifts of God's people. It is through the giving. That is what God has chosen. Listen to this statement. It is your choice. We're talking about a year of choices here. It is your choice. You can give and be a part of what God is doing. Or the opposite of that is that you can withhold your giving. And if you do, you will miss out on God's blessings on your life. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, he once was invited by a wealthy man to come preach in a small country church. And as he went there, the man said to him, he says, Spurgeon, I want you to help the membership of our church do one thing. I want you to help them to raise some money to pay off the debt that we have. And Spurgeon thought, well, I'd love to come. If there's any way I can be a blessing, I'd love to come and try to help the church. I just love God's work. I want to see God's work continue. And so Spurgeon went with this man. And and, and the man, as he was spending some time with Spurgeon, he was told Spurgeon, he says, I want you to know when you come, he says, you're free to, uh, I've got a few places. He said, I've got a country house. And Spurgeon saw that house. He said, I've got a townhouse, and Spurgeon saw that nice townhouse that he had. And he says, or if you want, you could stay at my seaside house, and Spurgeon saw that, and it was really nice. And then Spurgeon said to the man, he says, listen, you've asked me to come to help raise funds for the debt of the church. He says, uh, instead of me coming, he says, why don't you sell one of those places and give it to the Lord? Now, I was out in California, and I've lost count of how many millions, and I'm not talking one or two, I'm talking millions and millions and millions of dollars that my church in California has given to the work of the Lord. Before we got there, there were testimonies of people that had, uh, and, and a lot of us, we probably have things like this, some of the members of the church, they had a boat sitting on the side of their house. A lot of times, men will buy a boat, and their, their intentions are they're going to use it. And a lot of times, because of work and children and whatever, a lot of times that boat just sits there. Some people in the church had RVs, and they, they always wanted to go traveling the country, and they, they had bought an RV, and guess what? There it is sitting on the side of the house. Some of those members had a, a, an extra car that maybe at one time they were using, but it no longer was being used, and it was sitting in the garage. Uh, through their houses, they had all kinds of things. Uh, some, some of them had some jewelry and things like this. And, and as, as my pastor was uh, just challenging the, the church over the years, some of those members of that church, my church in California, they sacrificially decided, I'm going to give God that motorhome. I'm going to give God that boat. I'm going to give God this. I'm going to give God that. I remember that I was talking to Dr. Rasmussen that was here last Sunday. And we were talking about just how God has blessed Lancaster Baptist Church. How God's opened up the windows and poured out blessing after blessing. And people, a lot of times people think that that Lancaster Baptist Church has a lot of rich people in the church. Can I tell you, there's no millionaires in that church. You say, where's all that money come from? Sacrificial giving of God's people. One year, and I I told Dr. Esma, I said, Didn't somebody one year give a 1957 Chevy to the church? He said, Yep. I said, What'd you do with that car? Now a lot of people would have put it in their garage, wipe it down with a baby diaper. That's what that's what guys do with collector cars. They wipe them down with baby diapers. I'm not kidding. Take it out just a couple times a year, never get it in rain. And, and this guy, God touched his heart. That car is sitting there. And that car has become his God. He said, you know what, I'm going to give that to the Lord. And he drove it to church. He got out and he handed the keys to the pastor. And he said, here's your car. He said, I want you to give this to the Lord. He what did the church do? They sold it. They sold it for a good price. And that money went to the work of the Lord. Folks, listen. I don't know, but I I dare say that that man that owned that 1957 Chevy, and I'm going to tell you, it was a gem. I saw it. God opened up the windows and he poured out many blessings on that guy because of his sacrificial giving. See, if we really believe that the tithe is the Lord's, then you and I, we have no right to keep it. We have no right to hoard it. We need to make sure that we give it to the Lord, and look, we need to be careful about how we're handling God's money. Israel, the the people of God in the Old Testament, they had to learn this lesson the hard way. Look what Haggai wrote. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, look at these words, earneth wages to put them in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. When I think about those words, I think about how God in his word has told us, I want to bless you. I want to give you an increase. I want to fill your barns. Early in their marriage, Billy and Ruth Graham. Many of us know Billy Graham, the great evangelist from days gone by. But Billy Graham was visiting a church where he was going to be preaching. And during the offering, there was kind of something unusual took place. An usher actually went up on the platform. I wouldn't suggest this to any of our ushers. But he went up on the platform and he pushed the offering plate in front of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, of course, being put on the spot, he took his wallet out, and he began to reach into his wallet to grab a dollar bill. Now, it was a different day. He was living a very meager income on offerings as he was preaching. But Billy reached in, and he thought that he grabbed a one-dollar bill. As he laid it in the offering plate, as he was dropping it in, he noticed that it wasn't a one. It was the only $10 bill that he had. He saw that $10 bill going, disappearing as he walked away with the offering plate, going into the church coffers. And to further complicate the matters, when Billy finished preaching that meeting, the church failed to give him a love offering, which was sustaining him in his early days in ministry and throughout really the rest of his life. But on the way home, Billy was having a conversation with his wife, And uh, I've heard some testimonies about Ruth Graham. But instead of sympathizing with Billy, who was complaining that he gave the 10 instead of a 1, Ruth Graham said this to her husband. She says, and just think, the Lord will give you credit only for the 1 because that's what you meant to give. Stinging words from a wife. You see, I tell you this morning, the king... Desires simple gifts. The king deserves sacrificial gifts, but notice thirdly, the king demands submissive gifts. Look at the last two verses in our passage this morning. I want you to see verse 13 and verse 14 again. Here's what Jacob says Take also your brother and arise, go again unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Jacob sends Benjamin, sends him with his brothers because, listen, that's what Joseph, who was standing in the king's stead, that's what Joseph demanded. Either you bring your brother or I'm not going to release your other brother. The king demanded that. It broke his heart to do it, but he did what was demanded. He submitted, he surrendered to the will of Joseph and he sent his beloved son away with him listen more than your time more than your talents even more than your treasure can I tell you this morning the one thing that God really is interested in God wants all of you God wants you it's not about your money it's not about your talents it's not about your time God wants to bring you to the place where where you are, and, and your stuff is not on the altar that you are. Look at Romans 12:1. I beseech you, notice the words there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God knows what uh, listen what he gets when when you are on the altar. God knows that when you place yourself on the altar that everything is there. When you're on the altar, your time is there. When you're on the altar, your talents are there. When you're on the altar, your treasures are there. In other words, God has all of you, and God works in our lives, just like he was working in Jacob's life, just like he was working in uh, Jacob's son, Joseph's brother's lives. He wants to bring us to the place where we are totally submitted to him. Listen, when God has all of us, listen, he has all we have and all we are. The Lord began to work. Remember in Abraham's life, when God asked Abraham in Genesis 22, he says, I want you to bring your son, and I want you to come up to a place. And you remember what Abraham did? He submitted. He surrendered to the demands of God. He didn't understand it all. He obeyed God. And as he went there, God told him to offer up his son Isaac as a burnt offering And you read the scriptures there was no hesitation on the part of abraham he did exactly what god had asked him to do and listen he does uh god is commanding us to do the same thing without a a question whatever god is asking us to do abraham knew that there was nothing that he had that was his and in our lives everything belongs to god everything just like isaac wasn't abraham's god had given him that son God has given me my children. Whatever you have this morning in this world, understand that God has given it to you and it all belongs to God, every last bit of it. And listen, Abraham understood this. God wants us to reach the place where nothing matters but him, but his will, but his way in our lives. And when we get to that place, guess what? Our stuff will cease to matter in our lives. When we get to that place where God has us God has our all, we will gladly lay it all down for him. We will have a loose grip on the things of this world and the treasures of life. When we get to that place, he will have us and all we are. Now, the question this morning is this, are you there yet? A lot of people struggle. A lot of people are battling things and sometimes people think, well, listen, I I just, I can't do that at this time can I tell you that they gave their best while there was a famine? They didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. They didn't know what was going to happen when they went back into Egypt, but they cared enough to give their very best. I read a story this after, or this, yesterday afternoon, and a true story right after the World War, World War II it, there in Europe, they began kind of picking up the pieces. The, everything was in such disarray. A lot of the country had been ravaged by war. The saddest, one of the saddest sights, somebody testified, was all the little orphan children that were starving in the streets. They were everywhere. Early one chilly morning, there was an American soldier, and he was making his way back to the barracks in London. He came around the corner on the street. He was driving down in his Jeep, and he spotted this little bitty boy who was standing in front of a window, a store, and he had his nose pressed to the glass. The store was a pastry shop. Inside the store, the cook was kneading dough for a fresh batch of donuts. The hungry boy was staring in silence. He was watching every move of this person in there making the donuts and the, the soldier pulled his jeep over and he got out and he walked up to this little boy and real quietly he looked over the boy's shoulder to see what he was looking at and through that steamed up window he could see the mouth watering morsels as they were being pulled out of the hot oil, they were piping hot, the, the, the baker was putting them in a, a glass case for people to come in and buy them and the soldier's heart kind of went out to him. He didn't know who this boy was. He was looking at the little boy. And he said to this boy, Son, would you like one of those? And the little boy, as best as he could say, he says, Oh, yes, I would. The soldier stepped inside. He bought not one, but he bought one dozen. He put them in a bag. He walked out of the door of the store, the bakery, and he handed him to the little boy, and he said, here you go. Right there on that foggy, cold day in London, the little boy smiled, and he tugged on the coat of the soldier, and he said to him as best he said, he said, mister, he said, are you God? To that little boy, he was God. He cared enough. He didn't know that boy. But this morning, you know God. God's been so good to us. God's good all the time. God deserves our very best. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You think of this song, All to Jesus I Surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures, all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Would you bow your heads as you stand this morning? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed. The piano's playing this morning. Why don't you come this morning? Say, Lord, I haven't been fair to you. I haven't obeyed you. Maybe God has touched your heart about something that you have in your life, something. Can I tell you this morning, that stuff, One day it's all going to burn. Do you have something this morning that maybe you could come and offer to the Lord? Remember, if we're going to give him something, don't give him your leftovers. How many of you simply would say to God this morning, I want to give you my best? How about this this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. How many of you would say to the Lord this morning, not to me? God, I'm not much. But I want to give my all to you. I want to give myself to you. How many of you with an upraised hand would say, I want to give myself to the Lord? Would you slip your hand up this morning as a testimony to the Lord? God, I want to give my best. I want to give myself. You know what makes us who we are? Jesus. The love of God. Maybe God has spoken to you about giving of your time to the Lord. Maybe some of you don't spend enough time with Him every day. Maybe this morning, The Lord has spoken to you about that. I want to spend time with you more. Do you want to spend time with me? Maybe it's your talents. Some of you, God has gifted you. What a wonderful thing this morning, 17 people in the choir. You know what? That choir loft should be full. Pastor, I, I just can't sing, make a joyful noise. Give of your best. The widow, she only had two mites. It was her best. Maybe this morning God has spoken to you about your resources. Folks, listen, I don't know who gives what in this church. That's not my business. But if you are not honoring God with what is rightfully His, these are not my words, you're robbing from God. Folks, it's wrong to rob a person. We're talking about robbing God. I wanna have a blessed life. Honor God, obey God. If you don't understand the clear teachings from the Word of God, any one of us on staff would love to sit down And take the Bible and help you understand it in a greater way. It's something that I struggled with many, many years ago. But if you want to be blessed, then you have to honor the Lord. Do you care enough to give your very best? Lord, thank you for this morning, for the Word of God. I think a lot of times we look at the world, the economy. We look at circumstances in our lives and we rationalize we can't give because we don't have or we don't have enough. But Lord, we know that you're in control of everything. And you don't, Lord, you want to bless our lives. You don't want to bring a curse. And I know it breaks your heart when your children do not do what you demand of them. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to get a hold of this principle so that the windows of heaven would open, pour us out a blessing that we cannot receive. In Jesus' name we pray.